Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to DevRaga Personal Finance, episode 121. And in this episode, we will explore the concept of pet insurance. Now, this was a requested topic after my recent episode on the cost of owning pets. Now, I didn't cover pet insurance on purpose because pet insurance is an option when it comes to owning pets. Um, But um, after the previous episode, uh, a few people contacted me and said that I need to talk about pet insurance. Um, And interestingly, uh, the episode about the cost of owning a pet uh, turned out to be very popular when I posted it on social media. For those of you that are new to the channel, there are three aims. The first aim is to be educated and to be educated in improving your financial literacy uh, leads to the second aim, which is to be empowered about your finances, which means that you can take the knowledge to your accountant or credentialed advisor and speak at a level that you can understand it. The third aim of this podcast episodes and channel is to be entertained. Now, just a disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor, not an accountant, I'm not a lawyer, nor am I a financial planner. Make sure you take any of the concepts that we discussed in any of my episodes back to your credentialed financial advisor. In other words, don't listen to some random guy ranting on the internet about money. But if you are stuck on what to do in terms of broad principles, here are some simple steps to get you on the right track when it comes to saving investing, and personal finance in general. In my humble view, there are five easy steps which anybody could follow right now. Step one is you got to pay yourself first because you're the most important person in your life. That means taking 20% of after-tax money at least and putting it aside, never to be touched, never to be seen. That is your money. Step two is you've got to take that money and invest it, ideally into something you understand or want to understand. For me, I just understand the stock market and index funds, so I just plow my money into index funds. Step three is when those investments produce dividends, you have to reinvest those dividends back into the investments. The power of compounding due to reinvesting dividends is phenomenal. And step four you got to start early and you got to do it for the long term. Not 5, 10 or 15 years, which is what traditional people say that long-term investing is all about. For me, long-term investing is at least 20 plus years, 30 years, if not 40 plus years, even better. The longer you do it, the better it is for you, which means the earlier you start, the better it is for you. And step five is wherever possible, you got to automate the investments forever, which means automating your paying yourself first money, automating that investment and automating the dividends and doing it for the long term. The more automation you have in your financial life, the less likely you're going to forget to invest and the less likely you're going to make mistakes. And the less likely uh, you're going to take emotion 
uh, as a result of making those investments. You've got to take emotion out of it. If you follow these simple five steps, you're more likely to end up with more money than you'll ever need. And remember, money is just a tool. It doesn't bring happiness. Use it as a tool to make your life a little bit better, but most importantly, to make the lives of people around you a lot better. Before you go on to the main topic of pet insurance today, I had a question from Jesse who asks, Hi Dev, thanks for the podcast. Just wanting to learn more about HIN, H-I-N, what is it? Thanks, Jesse, for the question. It's a very good question. Now, HIN stands for Holder Identification Number, particularly when you sign up to a broker firm. The Australian Stock Exchange uses a system called CHESS, which stands for Clearinghouse Electronic Sub-Register System. Now, this system tracks ownership of shares which you buy. And the HIN, or the HIN number, identifies you as an investor. It's similar to a bank account number or a PIN number for your savings account or your credit card. You should treat it with the same respect and security as those numbers. The HIN number begins with an X followed by 10 numbers. And when you open a broker account, which is Chess sponsored, you will automatically get a HIN. When you buy shares using that broker account, then those holdings will belong to you, identified by the unique HIN, H-I-N. You can have multiple holdings under the same HIN number, or you can also have multiple H-I-Ns as well. Having a HIN number makes it that much more easier to move your holdings from one broker to another broker. Now, is chess sponsorship important? This gets asked all the time. And my sort of feeling about this is it depends. Chess sponsorship just means that ASX is able to use a system to track ownership of your holdings. It means you hold your holdings. You are the official owner. The broker does not hold the holdings for you, which is how some brokerage firms work. The other method of ownership is called via a custodian account. Now, at this stage, it's important to use examples to highlight this concept. Amy buys $1,000 worth of company ABC stock. Amy uses a chess-sponsored broker and has a HIN number, holder identification number. This means technically Amy owns company ABC stock. She will receive direct communication from the company about shareholder meetings and any company news, etc. It also means if the broker goes bankrupt, Amy still owns the shares. Suppose Amy bought the same $1,000 worth of company ABC stock, but doesn't use a chess-sponsored broker. It means her shares are held by a custodian, which the broker employs. A custodian is someone or some corporation that takes care of or protects the assets in the name of Amy. Now, if the broker goes bankrupt, it doesn't matter because a custodian is still active. They still look after Amy's investments and the custodian is a registered owner of the shares and Amy is the beneficiary of those shares. But if the custodian goes bankrupt, then it's a bit of a different story. It just means that they might have to liquidate all of Amy's holdings and return it back to her, unless they find another custodian to take over those shares. So if you want to invest in shares or become an active investor, it's useful to know if your broker is chess sponsored or not. So why would anyone then use a custodian 
account? And why would anyone use a broker that doesn't have a HIN number? Well, sometimes there isn't any choice. Even big broker firms like Comsec use custodian accounts if you want to trade in overseas markets. And the advantage is you can use grouped money to reduce trading costs. Using custodian accounts is easier if you want to buy fractional shares, for example. Many American shares are worth hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. So buying fractional shares is a newish phenomenon. And to do this, you may need to have a custodian account and you may not have a choice. Jesse, I hope this clarifies the meaning of HIN or holder identification number and how chess sponsorship works when it comes to brokers and how custodian accounts work for those which are not chess sponsored. Now to the main topic, what is pet insurance? Now, please note this episode is entirely focused on pet owners in Australia. If you're an overseas listener, proceed on to listen up, but some of the concepts mentioned may not be applying to you. So you need to check with your local area and your local rules about pet ownership and pet insurance. Now, what is pet insurance? I've done a previous episode on health insurance for humans, which goes back to episode 59. So you may wish to consider uh, this if thinking about health insurance for your human family. But in this episode, we're going to be talking about pets. Now, pet insurance is entirely different and can be an expensive exercise. In Australia, there are 34 million pets and only 25 million humans. 36% of those households own a dog and 23% of households own a cat. I was actually quite surprised by this stat. It's incredible. One third of households own a dog, whereas one quarter of households own a cat. That's like half of the households in Australia have some form of pet. So pet insurance works like human insurance. It's that it's designed to pay for some of the costs associated with health expenses for your beloved pet. It is becoming more and more popular and is a must-have in some households. Now, a pet insurance is not compulsory. You don't need to get pet insurance if you have a pet, but it may be worthwhile depending on the type of breed that you have, which may be prone to certain health conditions. So what are the three main policy types when it comes to pet insurance? The first one is called accidents only policies, where it only covers for accidental injuries when visiting the vet, broken bones or scratches from fights with other pets, etc. It may not cover tick and flea bites, and it may not cover for recurrent injuries. So In an example, if your dog just had hip surgery, which makes him a bit more unsteady on his gait, and he trips and injures his hip again, this second injury may not be covered. So who does accident-only policies suit? It kind of suits for families with younger pets, more healthy pets, pets with no known hereditary or genetic conditions, and pets which cost little to de-sex or vaccinate, deworm and don't get ill based on their genetics. So it's for those young pets that are relatively healthy, you may want to consider pet insurance with just an accident only policy. The second type of pet insurance is called accident and illness policy. And this covers all accidents, plus any illness such as infections, cancer, hereditary conditions and genetic conditions. It may not cover pre-existing conditions and it may not cover any preventable diseases from a vaccine. That's important. It also may not cover some chronic 
recurrent or lifelong conditions. And this is very different to human private health insurance, where chronic conditions are often covered, provided you have fulfilled the pre-existing conditions wait time of about 12 months in Australia. Now, if you're a North American listener, I know some of your insurance is obscenely expensive and it doesn't cover any pre-existing conditions. In Australia, we're lucky in that human insurance for private health insurance does cover pre-existing conditions provided you meet certain waiting periods, which is around 12 months for most private insurers. Now, in terms of accident and illness policies, these policies are more suited for breeds which are known to get sick. Bulldogs, for example, often get respiratory illnesses, etc. Now, the third type of pet insurance is called comprehensive policies, which covers accidents, illnesses, and also routine care, such as vaccinations, worming treatments, desexing, dental care, which is interesting, uh, behavioural training, and some policies may even cover for stolen pets, pet death, or lost pets. It may not cover, though, pet abuse. For example, your pet has been stolen, injured, and abused before returning to you. I mean, if you're abusing pets, um, you know, there's a special place somewhere for you. Um, Pre-existing conditions prior to waiting periods being served and complex surgeries like organ transplants may not be covered. You need to check the specific product disclosure statement from your particular pet insurer. It may not cover ambulance costs. Uh, Now, I didn't know that pet ambulance actually exists, but it does. There you go. And artificial limbs or prosthetics may not be covered. So there's a few exclusions there, but essentially it covers pretty much everything when it comes to accidents, uh, illness, and also routine care. Now, these type of policies may be suited for aging dogs, but you need, need, you need to check with your insurance provider if age limits also apply. Generally, what I found with pet insurance when I did my research is that it's much more restrictive than human private insurance. Um, And I suspect it's because the varying breeds and the varying ages and too many variables. We don't have that many variables when it comes to humans, but when it comes to pets, there's far, far, you know, umpteen variables that you need to cover. And I think as a result, they become a little bit more restrictive based on your policy type. So what type of pet insurance do you need? Well, these are the questions you need to ask yourself. You need to ask what stage of their life is your pet in? You need to ask yourself what is the breed and therefore what illnesses are they prone to having? Is there any hereditary or chronic illness or recurring illnesses in that particular breed? Um, Can there be an annual benefit limit? And that's an important question because some of the pet insurances are not unlimited. Uh, A lot of the insurance policies have what's called maximum benefit limits and cover the annual needs for your pet. Um, Is routine care covered or is it extra? And I guess if you have a pet breed that's actually quite cheap to do routine care, then you may not need to have that covered. You can just pay out of pocket for that. Uh, What is your budget? I mean, that's really important. Uh, Refer to also episode 119, where I talk specifically about the cost of pet ownership. We talk about kennels, we talk about uh, cost of deworming and desexing, the cost to adopt a pet and also food. Um, And also, what is the rebate amount for claims? Sometimes you may be significantly out of pocket for healthcare for your pet, just like for your own healthcare in Australia. If you have private health insurance and go to a private hospital, there are gap fees. So you need to make sure that you check what are the rebate figures when you take your child to the vet. 
Now, although pet insurance can be a bit expensive, there are measurable benefits if you own a pet. And I've gone through this before in episode 119, but I'll go, go through it again. You're likely to have better physical health. You're likely to have better mental health. And you get a sense of responsibility, particularly if you have children in your family, um, because they, you know, feel like they own something and they feel that they need to, you know, look after another living breathing creature. So it's a huge responsibility, particularly for little children. And of course, the companionship, which is, in some words, priceless. Now, all of these factors may, in fact, prove financially benefit for you. So having a pet can be considered an investment. Now, is there an alternative to pet insurance? Yes. Um, And that's what this podcast channel is all about. You could allocate a set percentage of your budget to pet savings and, you know, pet costs and build it up in the unlikely event of your pet having a medical or surgical issue. Just like any other insurance, you could self-insure, but it takes time, patience and discipline to be able to do this. And it may be an option once you've achieved a bit of wealth uh, to let go of your pet insurance and financial independence because, A pet illness early in your savings or financial independence journey can potentially derail your retirement plan to quite a bit, particularly if you have vested interest to look after your pet. If you're emotionally involved, which a lot of pet owners are, they spend thousands and thousands of dollars on their pets. Um, You know, it might pay to have insurance early on in your financial independence journey rather than trying to self-insure. I mean, when I put my previous uh, pet cost um, episode up, which is episode 119 on some of the medical forums, um, a lot of people did comment on that, suggesting that they've spent, you know, $1,000 or even $2,000 on a cardiac echo for a, for a pet, which is much higher than what it would cost a human to have a cardiac echo. So, Again, you know, you may want to consider pet insurance early in your financial independence journey because you don't want any major illnesses, particularly if you have very, very vested interest in the care of your pet, to derail your financial independence journey. So what is the cost of pet insurance for a dog? Now, that depends on the breed of the dog, depends on the age of the dog, and there are plenty of variables. But the following prices is what I came up with in my research based on annual $1,000 worth of cover. So if you're only going for accident-only policies, it's going to be about $40 to $50 per annum for every $1,000 of cover for your particular dog. If you have accident and illness insurance, you're looking at between $45 to $100 because of the wide variety of coverage there per annum. So that's $45 to $100 per annum per $1,000 worth of cover. And for comprehensive cover, you're looking at $60 to $100 per annum per $1,000 worth of cover. Now, I say per $1,000 worth of cover because that's important because it is not just 100 bucks a year to cover for your dog. It is per $1,000 worth of cover. Now, what about cost for cats? Again, depends on the breed, the age, and the variabilities. But the following prices is based on an annual $1,000 worth of cover, which I came across in my research. Accident only, you're looking at 30 to 40 bucks per annum per $1,000 worth of cover. Accident and illness, you're looking at 30 to $50 per annum for $1,000 worth of cover. And comprehensive cover, you're looking at between $45 to $70 per $1,000 worth of cover. Now, the prices for cats... Um, generally, you know, uh, about half of what a dog would cost from an insurance point of view. 
And if you go back to my previous episode of pet ownership, uh, it seems that cats generally are overall cheaper to maintain than compared to dogs. So that's about it for this episode. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you may be using, or leave a five-star review on every platform. That's even better. And please leave a positive review. And in that theme, here is a review I found on Apple Podcasts from Doc Mike. 1985, who says, couldn't recommend enough. I have learned so much from Dev over the podcast episodes that I actually have a plan for the future with regard to employment, investing and housing. We don't get taught any of this at medical school, so the podcast was really needed. Keep up the good work. Now, thanks very much, Doc Mike, for your feedback. The more ratings and reviews you leave, the more people get access to this podcast. And remember, I do it all for free. In this particular case, Doc Mike seems to be a doctor, but I have a wide variety of listeners. Um, uh, you know, recently I got in touch with a train driver. Um, and uh, he was mentioning to me that um, there's a group of train drivers around Australia that listen to my podcast um, quite regularly. And I also spoke to uh, another person who's in the IT field um, who has really been inspired to invest to the point that they've started a journal club uh, in their in their uh, in their workplace, which is fantastic. I mean, this is what we need to do. And if you're a junior doctor and you're working at any of the hospital systems and you've got an RMO society, you need to get that RMO society to have a journal club. Just like you'd have a journal club about medicine, you need to have a journal club about money. And it's completely acceptable to do that. Remember to like the Devraga Facebook page. Shout out to questions and comments or topic suggestions. You can also contact me on Twitter. I get a fair bit of tweets nowadays. Share this channel with family and friends uh, with Apple Podcasts, CastBox, uh, Spotify, Google, or whatever podcasting platform you may use. And remember, always pay yourself first. Take 20% of your after-tax income and put it aside. That is your money, never to be spent ever again. And learn about pet insurance. Learn about owning a pet. I'm really doing some research about trying to get a pet from our two young children. Uh, hopefully, in the near future, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and I think it's important for you to do your research. And because pets are not cheap, they do cost money. This is Devraga Personal Finance, episode 121. And as always, please make sure you stay safe. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.